I, I just love hearing those stories, and I love these kinds of moments. I love looking out at the church that Jesus is building here at True North. And I think I might be biased now. We're talking about how good looking our elders. But I just think our whole, I think we've got just an amazing group of people. And to be able to stand here and celebrate with all of you today what God is doing in our church is, I think, just an incredibly special thing. Are you, are you excited to celebrate as well what God's doing? I know, I know you are. And, and, I, I, and I know God's been doing some great things uh, in our church over this last four weeks. And I guess this morning I want to just talk a little bit uh, about, you know, what, what I see God doing in our midst through this time. You know, one of the key verses for us for this whole idea of momentum is this verse that reminds us where Jesus says in, in Matthew that he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I love this simple verse, but it really speaks to what we feel God is calling us to as a church. Jesus says a couple things that we always want to remember. He says, I will build my church. Jesus builds his church. And we know that church, uh, when he talks about building this church, you know, he's not talking about a, a building. We all know that's not what he's saying. I mean, the word church there, it's a word that sometimes was used in that day of an army, of a military. It's this whole idea Jesus is building his almost like army to go out in this world, only not one that will fight battles, but an army of love, an army of hope, an army of peace, of joy, of justice, an army of people who see the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven. This is, the, this is what Jesus is building. And he says in the nature of that church, the nature of those people, the nature of that community I'm building will be that they will always be going forward. He says the gates of hell won't prevail. It's this picture of a church that is always going forward. Gates don't attack. Gates are stationary. And he imagines his church, his people will always be going forward, taking his light and love into this world. I know, I almost want to get a towel that's so good. And I just love this idea of momentum. You know, you, you saw that video just a little bit ago. And we think about all we've seen God do. And we think about all the ways we're seeing his light and love go out into this world through this church. And we know and we believe that actually we are to keep on going forward. That momentum means we never stop. We keep going. You know, it was earlier this year. It was still summertime. might have been January, February. And I was with uh, my son. He was about six and a half, Levi, at that time. And he was... Uh, we were out back of our Molu campus, and we were on the playground, and he was going to do the monkey bars. And he had been, you know, he hadn't kind of yet been doing monkey bars. Who knows the monkey bars? You know, you've been across the monkey bars. And I, I was watching him start to try, and I was like, I, and I saw him kind of try a couple times, kind of reach, but, you know, hold, 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 but nah, and drop. And I'm like, hey, I can do this. Hold on, buddy. I'll show you how you do it. I used to do the monkey bars when I was a kid. I know how it's done. And I grabbed onto those monkey bars. I thought, I mean, I did it when I was little. I'm stronger now. This should be easy, right? I quickly realized I'm also heavier now. <laughs> the monkey bars are not as easy as they look from a distance. And so I was like, no, see, this is what you got to do. The trick to the monkey bars is you can't stop. You got to keep moving. And so I'm hanging there, and then I'm thinking, man, if I let go, what happens with the other hand? But I'm trying, so I boom, and I go, and I grab one, and I hold, and I'm like, whoa, hold steady, hold steady. And then I started, and I finally, I'm swinging my feet, and I got going, and I made it at least halfway across, at least halfway across, but there's, I know it's worth a clap, it's worth a towel, because I made it almost halfway across. And there is no video footage to show whether you can confirm or deny that report. 
But then I said, that's what you got to do. And he got on there and, and I could see, and when you're watching someone, you can see the challenge there because you do, you feel like I'm holding with everything I got to stay put. And it's like, oh, I get, and if you get to the next one, you feel like, boy, I better just stay here. I better just hold on. If I let go again, what's going to happen? But the trick is, and I said, just keep going. Don't stop. Don't stop. And he got it and got the rhythm going and got the movement. One hand went to the next and he outdid me. I could have done it, but I saved him some time. But and he made it from one side to the other, from where he started to where he wanted to go. And that's kind of the power of momentum. Don't stop. Keep moving. This is what God's saying to our church. Don't stop. Keep moving. Don't kind of, oh, but we just got here. Maybe we better hold tight for a minute. It's, it's so, no, no, you keep moving. And momentum kicks in. And he says to his church, my church is always advancing. We don't stop and say we better just, we continue to go forward. And nothing, he says, not, the momentum of his church is such that nothing can stop it, not even the gates of hell. Jesus says, my church, the church I'm building is an unstoppable force in this world. It is an army of love in Jesus' name. And I know that... What I believe he's been doing in us, you know, momentum, mass times velocity. It's about each and every one of us continuing to move forward. I know that what God, I believe, is doing through momentum is he is building his army. He is shaping us. He is forming us more and more for the people that we need to be to take the next rung and the next rung and the next rung and to keep going forward. And we're going to look this morning at a little bit of what it looks like when God builds an army. Because the way God builds an army is different than how anyone else builds an army. The way God forms an army is completely opposite to what we might even expect at times. But I think you'll agree with me. We've been seeing God do this in us. We're going to look at a story that comes from Judges chapter 7 where God was forming an army. And he was forming an army out of his people, Israel. There was a man named Gideon who was leading his people at the time. And God had been kind of beginning to use him in different ways for his purposes and growing what he was doing. And then it comes to a particular moment where there's this battle to be fought against 135,000 of these Midianites who've come around them. And Gideon sounds this trumpet and 32,000 people volunteer and sign up to be part of what God's doing. And God's going to take that crowd and he's going to build them into an army. And this is what it looks like. In Judges chapter 7, uh, we pick it up. It says this. It says, early in the morning, Jeroboam, that is Gideon, when all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley of the hill near Mora. The spring of Herod, you know, this, this whole area where they are camped, there's these, you know, battle, the armies are lining up across them. They're huge. And the Lord says to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me and say my own strength has saved me. We did this. So he says, God tells him, now announce to the army, tell him, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. So take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. And so Gideon took the men down to the water and there the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink or use a water bottle. I just get that wasn't there. Um, that wasn't there. So 300 of them 
drank from cupped hands, lapping like a dog's. And all the rest got down on their knees to drink. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but he kept the 300 who took over the provisions and the trumpets of the others. And with those 300, God brings about this incredible deliverance where this 300 people take a, win the battle against 135,000 Midianites. How God builds an army is very different than how most of us would think to build an army for a situation like that. Do you know what you see is that when God builds an army, you know, we see it in this passage. You look through stories of the Old Testament. You'll see this over and over again about how God forms a people that he can use. There are three things you see here that are almost always present. And the first is that we see, you know, God loves to use impossible situations. The second thing is he loves to use courageous people. And he loves to use uncommon unity. When God builds an army, he often uses impossible looking situations, courageous people, and uncommon unity among those people. That's how God builds an army. He starts with this situation. Here they are. There's 32,000 of them to start with, and they're going up against 135,000 Midianites. And all these groups just kind of bit of ragtag group that's come together and here's this 135,000, there's only 32,000 and God says, you know what? I'm going to use you. I'm going to give you a victory here. I'm going to do something amazing through you. But the only problem with your army is it's too big. Because even though this looks ridiculous, 32,000 versus 135, it looks ridiculous. God's like, it's still in the realm of kind of possibility where when I give you the victory, the people might think, yeah, we did this. We did this of our own strength. Look at us. We're pretty good. We're a little better than we thought. Look what we did. Look how strong we are. And he says, no, 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 no. When he builds an army, he says, I'm building you for moments and situations where the nature of those battles is such that only God can deliver a victory. That it's like God's like, I'm not interested in building an army to kind of go do things where they could walk away and say, look how great we are. He says, I build armies of people to go do things where it is evident to everyone that only God could do this. That's how God wants to build an army. That's why he creates often. So he's like, nah, 35, no, 35, nuts it's too much. He's going to take 32,000 all the way down to 300. And he's like, now that's an army I can work with because this is a situation where everyone will be able to look and say, God did this. You know, impossible situations aren't always fun, but they create moments where God can do incredible things. Do you know, I, I think about our church. We have this 10-year vision. We talk about over 10 years becoming a center for renewal as we passionately pursue the presence of God. We imagine a church that we would really experience the kind of renewal, the old becoming new again, that, that you're seeing the same dynamics that were there in the beginning of the church in the book of Acts, and actually those were experiencing them ourselves, and seeing that spill out into other churches and places and ways as well. You know, renewal in the book of Acts, when God, you know, kind of shows all his church is meant to be. One of the things it always says about that church is that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Can you imagine a 
being a part of such a renewal that there was someone added to the believers daily, not baptizing somebody, you know, once a month or even once a week, but every day God is seeing new people come into his kingdom. That's renewal. And that's what the, the church got. But, you know, you think like far out, really? Want to imagine that happening? Seeing things like that? How's that going to happen? Here's what I can tell you. God, he gives us visions and dreams and things to move towards so that he can show how great his power is. You know, we look at uh, momentum this year. I mean, we've seen God do incredible things over the last five years, over the last six months, last seven months, over the last year. We've seen God do uh, unbelievable things. But we believe God has called us to continue to go forward. We look at some of the, the things we believe that he's asking us to do. If we're going to see momentum continue to be released and to continue moving towards that kind of 10-year vision and dream of what he's calling our church. These three distinct goals for this year to, to solidify and strengthen our financial foundation so we can seize opportunities as he presents them. To resource the growth we've been experiencing through staffing and, and building and equipping leaders better than we ever have. To be able to continue moving towards redeveloping our Mullaloo campus to become the same kind of center for outreach as what we've been able to create up in Marowa. To think that we're going to keep doing everything we're doing and then to continue to go forward and knowing that really to, to do what we've been doing and then to say we're not staying put, we're still going forward, that we're going to have to head towards this goal over the next 12 months of just over one and a half million dollars as a church, you know, raising our, our giving almost 50%, an additional 500. Now all these things can make us go, this looks like, God, how will you do this? But God loves to create these situations because they create the moment where he can build and shape his army, where he can build his church. Because the thing that God loves to use is courageous people. The army that he is building is always about God building courageous people. Do you know what God says? So we got 32,000. That's too many. He says we got to start to shrink this army a bit. That's how God decides he's going to build it. And he says, here's, here's how we'll start. Anyone who trembles with fear, he says, it's okay. You can go home. God says, the army I'm building, I'm... I'm wanting to, to work with and use courageous people. Why did he send all the people who trembled with fear home? You know, I don't, I mean, it was like the first thing he did. You could understand why they're all feeling a little bit fearful, but it's almost like he's like, you know what, the battles I'm going to take this army into, uh, there's going to be a need for courage in the face of some incredible circumstances. And it's almost like he's like, I don't want to see fear spread across. I, I want to build an army of courageous people. Can I tell you something? Uh, you know, I think that there, there's a difference. I want you to hear me on this. One thing I know is that what God is doing, I, I believe in this season and what he's calling us to, is he is wanting to work in each of our individual hearts and lives in such a way to build us into a courageous army of Christ followers. Now here's the thing about courage. You know, God says everybody who's trembling with fear can go home. Do you know, actually, a few verses later, he's going to say to Gideon, hey, if you're afraid, here's what you can do, and I'll kind of encourage you through a bit of a, a vision. Do you know there's something different about a trembling with fear versus a feeling afraid and being courageous anyway? You know, you can't actually have courage without a little bit of trepidation at what's ahead. If there's not some discomfort on your own part, it's not courage, it's just moving forward. 
You know, the 22,000 leave, and I don't think the other 10,000 were like, right, well, this will be a piece of cake. This ain't so bad. Now that we kind of cut off the dead wood and dead weight, no problem. We got 10,000 of us. They've only got 100. You know, there would have no doubt these were people who would have looked at the challenges in front of them and known what was there. But the difference in them was they said, our faith is going to be bigger than our fear. We're going to actually, we see the challenges, but our faith in God and in who he is is going to allow us to say we're not trembling to the point we pack up and go home, but instead we are going to allow our faith to make us courageous in the face of great challenges. Courageous people. God loves to work with courageous people. Doesn't mean you never feel a little bit like, whoa, how this, how's this going to work out? But I read a quote this week. It said, courage is just fear that said its prayers. Courage is you know what, I see what's ahead and I know the nature of it, but God, I'm going to choose to trust you anyway and trust you in the midst of this. Do you know, I know so many of you today, I look out and I know this is a courageous group of people that God's building. And I know many of you come with giving commitments that you've brought today and it has required courage in your heart. And I just want to celebrate you for that. And I want you to know, you know, that there is a, I think there is always kind of this inherent connection between generosity and giving and courage. They always have to go together. Whenever we give, and we give financially, let's face it, our finances in the way and time of history we live, our finances are where we find security. It's how we look out for ourselves. It's how we provide for ourselves. There's nothing wrong with that. And it, but it always can feel like a challenge to let go of it because we think, what will happen if I give this up? And generosity is always a courageous decision to let go. Do you know, I know that there are people, you know, we mentioned there was a group that came together and was bringing their commitments, what God was calling to them earlier this week, saying, you know what, this is how God's led me. Every person has a different way that God is calling them to respond, but no matter what that is, it will require courage to step forward in it. I know that we have people who are giving for the very first time. I remember a, a few years ago, we had an initiative similar, it's called Go Beyond. I remember talking with somebody who told me afterward, he said, that was the first time in my life, I'd been a long time follower of Jesus, and said it was the first time in my life I decided to tithe, to give the first tenth and best of all God's given me. And he said, at the beginning of that whole process, I felt this kind of sense of, oh man, how is this going to work? But now here it was two years later, he said, oh my goodness, it was all okay. As it turned out, God just provided for all I needed, and it was like, what was I ever worried about? Courage was built in his life. You know, the, 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 one of the, the biggest things I know that God is calling us to, I want to encourage you, if you're bringing a card that you know, and that represents a courageous choice, whatever that is, whether it's the first time you're giving or the first time you're saying, I'm going to give that first tenth, or whether it's, the, you know, you're doing, God's taking you somewhere you've never been in trusting him. Every one of us, it's a different call, what God places on our life. But to respond to what he asks is always a courageous decision. And I know he's building a courageous church at True North. We've been courageous in the past, and he's taken us rung after rung after rung. And the cool thing about when God builds an army, it's not just about the individuals. The really amazing thing, when God builds an army, and he 
loves to use tests and funny ways of doing things, but the thing that he loves to use is uncommon unity. God looks at the 10,000 and says, all right, still not enough. And so he says, here's what you can do. You can have them go down to the lake and get a drink. And depending on how the people drink, you're going to divide them into two groups. You know, the, the thing about this kind of test, we don't really know what was so unique about the way that 300 drank. Lots of people speculate. It's not really clear. What was it about this 300 and the way that they drank that made them different? And we can all question and wonder, but you know what you do know? Whatever it was that it demonstrated to God, the way that they drank, whatever it said about their heart or character or attitude or whoever they were, whatever that was, they all shared something in common. They all had something that was exactly the same about just that 300. And it's almost like God says, I could do more with 300 people who are all in sync than 10,000 who are not. God loves unity. Do you know, I think it's one of the reasons. I know, it's worth a clap. I mean, God could do amazing things. It's worth a towel when you got. Because the numbers that impress God, God's not impressed by big, huge numbers and big, huge armies. But there's one number that he's often all about. And that number is 100%. He says, when I've got 300 people all on the same page, man, I could do something amazing through a group of people like that that brings incredible glory to my name. You know, I know that one of the things I believe God's been doing through momentum and has wanted to do is just to bring about an uncommon unity amongst us. You know, Jesus, one of his most passionate prayers for his church, may they be one, Father, as we are one. Over and over, the early church, what it talks about them, they were of one accord. They were of one heart, one mind. Paul prays for the churches. May they with one heart and one voice lift up the name of Jesus. God does something amazing where there is uncommon unity. Because it takes the focus off of all of us as individuals and puts it onto the one who brings us together. That's what unity does around what God calls us to. Last week I went to uh, the symphony. Are you impressed? You didn't know I was so sophisticated. Well, I'm not, but my wife is. So down at the, you know, we went to the Perth concert, all Wasso was playing. And my wife plays the French horn. And there was a, a famous a French hornist from Berlin was there. And she had looked and seen and said, can we please go to the symphony? Uh, you know, and, and I, yeah, this is great. So we went down there and uh, and before the symphony, you may have been or you may not have, and, and I'd not been many times in my life. Maybe I was as a kid, but just before, just before the show is going to start, some noise or some music begins, but it's not quite a song yet. And that's the sound of everyone tuning their instruments. All of a sudden, you're hearing this kind of, you know, these noises start coming. I'm like, that's good, but I thought they'd be better than this, or... Not quite sure. They maybe need to shrink that little symphony and find the best ones. And just they start tuning, and and I was like, ah, oh, and you know, oh, and she's you know she's explaining everything. They're tuning their instruments, and and I was like, where's the? You could hear this one note though, like ring out above all the others, and that's the note that they're all tuning to. And it's the note, and I said, which is it? That's it. I see them. I see the one playing, and it was the oboe. Do you guys know the oboe? I didn't know the oboe. I. It looks like a recorder. And, uh, but I was told it's an oboe. 
But you know what's so beautiful about that? It's like when all of them get tuned, there's one note. And when they all get tuned to this one note, now they can do something beautiful. There's this uncommon unity in an orchestra. There's this uncommon, we are all on the exact same note. Do you know what that would have sounded like? And the music they played was beautiful. It was so beautiful, the lady next to me was asleep. It was beautiful. Or she was deeply, deeply enjoying that music. And, uh, but you know, it was, it's incredible. Do you know what? If like 60% of that orchestra had tuned to the same note, it would not have been the same. If 75, 80, 85, 90, it was beautiful because 100% were all tuned to the exact same note. And in that orchestra, everybody's playing different parts. There's strings, there's woodwinds. I had to learn that word too. There's the brass, there's, you know, there's trumpets, there's horses, there's all these different kinds of instruments. There's all of them. Everybody a different part to play, but all of them in tune to the one same note. Do you know, we, through momentum over the last four weeks, and I know some of you, we asked every person in our church to go and just seek God and ask him, what would he have you do? How would he have you give? Because it's about how he wants to build courage in your heart. It's about the part that you have to play. Not that I have to play. Not that anyone else has to play. But if every one of us seeks God uh, and asks, what is my part in this? Then something beautiful happens. We all get tuned to one, and we all get tuned to one note. And here's the thing is, every person, the really cool thing is, if, if all of us look not to ourselves, but we all seek God, it sounds almost in one sense like a very individual thing. But God is like, when God speaks, that's the note. That's the note that trumps all the other notes. And when every one of us knows, this is God's call on my life, and I'm stepping forward in that, then our whole orchestra gets tuned to one another as well. An uncommon unity takes place. A unity that is about how we as a people, not just a crowd of people who gather, as an army that Jesus is building, an army of love in this world, as we all come together and as we each tune ourselves to what he is saying, we are prepared to go out and to do beautiful things with one another and to see moments happen where God gets all the glory. Nobody at the end of that symphony says that one person was good or not. It's about the beauty of the music created by the whole. This is what I believe God has been doing in momentum. I believe that Jesus is building his church. And when he's building his church, he's shaping, he's refining, he's testing. He's pulling us together and getting us ready for the things that he has ahead for us. He's tuning us to his voice. He's doing something in our heart that grows each one of us right where we are, greater faith in him, trust in him. The nature of what he says to each one of us and what he calls, it, it, if every one of us is attuned to what he says to us, then he is building us into an army that he can do some great things in this world through. That the things we've seen behind us, that they are not the end point. That we don't stop and say, hey, we got to here. 
but that we keep on grabbing the next rung and the next rung and say, Jesus, what are you doing in us? Keep on building us, keep on shaping us, keep on calling us, keep on taking us forward. Because when we come together as that kind of army, we get to be a part of seeing the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven. We get to be a part of moments in people's lives in a way that will change them forever. We get to make a difference now that will also carry on into all eternity. We get to see some incredibly amazing things happen, what God is doing through his people. I want to show you one video just before we kind of bring this to a, a, a wrap up. And as we, in a few moments, are going to begin to prepare our cards and what God's spoken to each of us. But I want to just show you a story of one person. You know, we have seen God doing great, great things over the last five years, last one year, last six months. I want to just show you one story, you know, this in this last six, seven months, we've been able to open our new campus and community center up in Marowa. And, you know, not, not building a church because we know Jesus builds a church. This is the army Jesus is building. But we've been able to build a center for the community that can connect to people who are far from God. I want you to hear the story of one guy who just wandered into our cafe earlier this year. Have a look at his story. This is Mick's story. I've been watching 115 being built, driving past. Um, and when it opened, I, I wanted to find out what was inside. Uh, be honest, a lot, a lot going on in my life on every single possible view and angle. And I came in here because I thought, it says coffee, somewhere different. It's new, it'll be quiet. I won't bump into one people I know. And that was really important to me on that day. When I came in here, man, I have never been taken so much by a building that was full of, it was full of daylight on that day. It was so bright and, and I walked in and as soon as I got in, the whole building just sucked me into it. Um, it felt right, it felt good, it felt home. It felt, there's not words. I can't tell you, Ryan, the words because it just, like going to a shop, you put on a shirt and you know you look good. I felt it fitted. It's wonderful. Um, I've never stopped coming back. I sat at a table over there as I said, and I had things going on. And this slim, good-looking ginger bloke turned over to me with his ginger designer stubble, wearing a basketball shirt. And he came over and he spoke to me. And after about 45 minutes of talking to me, I asked him who he was. And then he declared he's Pastor Dean. Yeah. Um, and then that just concreted all of the feelings and the thoughts I'd had while I'd been in here until that moment. Because as a Catholic boy, I've never met no man of God that looked like Pastor Dean did on that day. 
and it was perfect for me. It was perfect because this was a this was a man that that just gave me yeah something. I wasn't asking. He gave me something. Every time I come in, I still get that feeling. I said, a lot going on in my life, which means a lot going on in your head. Me and a load of other people, I'm sure. But when I come here, I know that I can have a chat with God. That doesn't take your problems away. It helps me solve problems in a different way. And without this building, I wouldn't have found the six-week program. I wouldn't have found How's Your Soul. I wouldn't have found the... Um, the, the anchor analogy, I wouldn't have found, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be where I am with God. I wouldn't have been anywhere near I am with God. Uh, it's, it's my, uh, my port in the storm, what you'll call it what you like, but it's, and I'm sure it's other people's, and if it's not, then they should try it, really try it. Knowing that I can come here and get the, 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 the safe uh, solace and comfort and, and like I call it the cup of God and sit and on my own have a little prayer and suck up this building because man this building's good. This building has something, I don't know who designed it, I just know that whoever thought about it did more than just place it the right way to catch the sunshine because you can't build into a building what this building has and that comes from the people and for those people that, that, that got the money together got the vision together got the enthusiasm together that came here because I've heard stories of everyone planting and, and doing all this stuff and uh, we sadly I wasn't a part of I, I, I didn't see that happening oh Massive thank you, big hug, God bless you, and everything else, right? And I mean it, big hug. You line them up for me, and I'll personally hug each and every one of them, right? In the last five or six months, this building and these people here have have given me something that I never thought I would experience ever. God's great. He's real. Yeah, he isn't. He's alive. He loves. That's, that's, that's towel waving right there. That is towel waving right there. And it is because this is what it's all about. This is why we do what we do. This is why we, we bring these cards. Because we want to see people's lives changed. We want to see destinies changed forever. 
And sometimes we got to dream big dreams and we got to do bold things. And God puts us in situations and calls us to not stay still, but to keep going forward and keep moving. Can I tell you something? In a few minutes, we're going to bring our cards together. And I want you to know, when you respond to how God's leading you, and when you put down your name and you say, this is what he's asking me to do, and this is my part, you are a part of stories like Mix. He's just one of many. And what we believe as a church is that there are many more to come. Many more to come. And we're going to have to... We're going to have to be bold and courageous and continue to go forward because we want to see that story again and again and again. And it takes each and every one of us. God uses impossible situations, courageous people, and uncommon unity. Each and every one of us. Do you know in a few moments we'll bring our cards, but this is a moment we want to bring our whole church together. And we are in here, and uh, we've got our campuses together, and we're going to welcome all our kids to come in as well. Can we welcome our kids in? Give them a clap. As our kids come on down. They're going to come right down the front, you know. Momentum, we talk about it. It's mass times velocity. Every one of us is at a different place in life, a different stage of life, a different position in life. But when every one of us begins to understand, God's not building a crowd. God's building an army of love, and he wants every one of us to be a part. And when every one of us just says, where I am and where God's placed me, I'm going to be a part of this. That's where momentum comes from. You can have a lot of people and no momentum. You can have a big crowd and no momentum. But when everybody begins to say, God, yes, I want to play my part. You know, for those of you who are adults here today, you probably have one of these commitment cards. And, uh, and if you've not yet gotten to fill one out, uh, you can, you'll have a few minutes here where you can fill that out if you're ready to do that. If you've sought God and you've got a sense of what he's calling you and how he's asking you to participate, then you can fill that out and we're going to bring them up in just a few minutes. It's just a real simple way of putting your name down and saying, you know what, this is what I would normally give in a year. This is how God's calling me to go beyond that. This is something I can give one time out of the assets and resources God's given me to finish up with one total saying, this is what God's called me to for this year. And every one of those totals is a part of reaching our goal to let us keep going forward with momentum and the things God's calling us to. You know, for these kids, we've given each one of them a card that allows them to say, I'm a part of the church that Jesus is building. Every one of them has a card that they were able, if they wanted, to just write their name. And all it says is, this is my name, and I'm a part of the church that Jesus Christ is building. And how awesome is that? Because it's, we want every, every kid who's a part of Compass Kids here at True North know, you know, you are part of this big body of people. And we're all led by Jesus, and he's building us into this army of love in this world. You don't just come to a program, you're a part of the people that Jesus is bringing together. And you know, the cards that you'll bring as an adult where God's placed you and the cards that they'll bring saying, you know what, I'm a part of the church Jesus is building. Look around you and what you see in this room. This is the army of love Jesus is building right across this place. This is the church Jesus is building. You know, one of the cool things I think about writing our names, whatever part every one of us plays from the youngest to the oldest among us, 
is it's a way of saying, I was there. I was a part of that moment. My son Levi and I, we've been reading over the last kind of year and a half now, these books, the Chronicles of Narnia. How many people know the Chronicles of Narnia? Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. The seven books, and we've been reading them over about a year and a half every night, reading a little bit. And they're full of all these stories where these, you know, kids get taken from London and they go to this land of Narnia whenever it's in trouble and there's adventures to be had and princes that need rescued and battles that have to be fought. And over hundreds and hundreds of years, there's all these stories and they all keep coming, hundreds of years in Narnia. And we got to the last book. It's this book called The Last Battle. And we got all the way to the very end of it. And something amazing happens where after all these hundreds of years, after all the battles have been fought, after all the people have been rescued and different things have happened, Narnia comes to its end. And it's a little bit of a picture C.S. Lewis was writing of heaven. And some of the characters are making their way into the new Narnia that, that Aslan has made for them. And they get all the way to this garden. And as they walk through the gates, this is what happens. It says, everyone you'd ever heard of, if you knew the history of these countries, seemed to be there. There was Glimfeather the Owl, and Puddleglum the Marshwiggle, and King Rillian the Disenchanted, and his mother the Star's Daughter, and his great father Caspian himself. And close beside him were the Lord Drinian, and the Lord Byrne, and Trumpkin the Dwarf, and Truffle Hunter the Good Badger, with Glenstorm the Centaur, and a hundred other heroes of the Great War of Deliverance. And then there came from further away in the past the two good beavers. Who remembers the beavers? And Tumnus the fawn. And there was greeting and kissing and handshaking and old jokes revived. You've no idea how good an old joke sounds when you take it out again after a rest of five or six hundred years. I love this moment because as we were reading it, we'd been reading through all these stories and battles and we got to this point and they finally got through these gates and we started reading all these names and for both of us, it was like we just kept getting more and more excited. Like we remembered Rillian, we remembered the, you know, Puddle Glum, we remembered the, the Beavers and Mr. Tumnus and, and you just kind of thought about all these stories you'd read and seen and, thought, and we were both so excited. Because we heard all those things, Levi even said, he said, that reminds me of church. I said, why does that remind you of church? He said, because afterward we tell jokes. <laughs> it's mostly knock-knock jokes from Riley, who you saw earlier. But I knew why it reminded him, because it reminds me too. Where you're with a group of people, and you tell some jokes, and you go through some battles, and you hug, and you high-five, and you say, man, we were a part of something special. And I love that picture because I want you to know when you put your name on a card and you say, I'm a part of the church Jesus is building, you're saying, I'm, this is a name that's going to go down in history, not for now, but for all time. That one day there will come a moment, there will come a moment when we will be high-fiving and hugging and kissing people we haven't seen for hundreds of years. There'll come a moment when we remember the old battles and we say, I was there in 2017. I was a part of what God was doing in momentum. And there's people like Mick who are going to give us a high five and a hug and say, thank you. You heard what he said and line them all up. I hug every single one of them one day. That chance will come. And there'll be all the time in the world to, to give high fives and to tell old jokes and to say, man, do you remember what we got to be part of? 
because Jesus allowed us to be part of the church that he was building. In just a moment, we're going to bring our cards. Here's how it's going to work. The kids are going to be able to come first. And if you guys want to drop your cards in just a moment, I'm going to pray for all of us. But then when you want, if you want to put that card in, it's just a way of saying, God, here I am. I'm a part of the church you're building. I want to be a part of it. You can put your name right. You can put your card in one of these baskets. And once they're done, they're going to make their way out of here. And if you're someone who's sitting there today and you're saying, I not just want to be part of the crowd. I want to be part of the church, the army Jesus is building. You can bring your card and you can put it in one of those baskets. You might be here today and you say, you know what? I'm not ready to do that yet. That's okay. You don't need to rush. Maybe you say, you know what? I know I want to go away and I want to pray and I want to seek and I want to get in tune with what he's asking me. You can put a blank one in as a way of just saying, God, I, I want to be a part of what you're doing. You can bring one next week as well. If you go home and spend some time, don't rush it. Get in tune with what he's asking. But these cards are a way to say, God, here I am. You may be one of the people who's kind of positioned. You know that uh, your circumstances won't allow you to. You just write your name. If you know, I wish I could, but I can't, but I'm praying. I know I'm a part of this. Just write your name. Leave it blank. You're a part of the church Jesus is building. We're not some crowd somewhere, and this isn't a concert. This is the church that Jesus is building. I want to pray for us. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for our whole church. Kids, you guys can stand up. We got our whole church here. That's a special moment. I'm going to pray. Would you maybe just open your hands if you're someone who's just saying, you know what, I want to be open to what God is doing here. God, would you fill me up? We're going to ask God's Spirit to come and rest on us. Lord Jesus, in this moment, we recognize that here we stand, the church that you are building. Our heart's desire is to become the people you desire us to be, the church you desire us to be, to keep going forward, to take the next rung, to be a part of the battles and moments you want us to be part of, that your name might be glorified, that your kingdom might come here on earth as it is in heaven. We ask that in this moment you might pour your spirit out on us as we come together as one body and one people. Would you pour your spirit out on us? Would you begin to show us more of who you are? Would you show us your glory, Lord? We want to be like Moses, Lord. Show us your glory. We want to see more of you, more of your greatness, more of who you are. And so we come before you. Pour it out on us, we ask. In this moment, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing together as we go through this special moment as a church. You guys, whenever you're ready, you can put your card in there. You're part of the church that Jesus is building. Once the kids are all done and they've made their way out, feel free to come. But let's spend some time now just worshiping our God, calling out to him. Show us more of himself, more of his glory in our church here at True North.